Alright, well this morning's message is going to look a little different in that I'm not doing a sermon per se, although we will be looking at various texts from the Bible. The reason is that I want to invite you into seeing the vision of Genesis House going forward into 2023. A vision that really began in September of 2021, and many of you remember that service. But I want you to be invited into the vision for two reasons. Number one, uh, we're all a family. We're united by the Holy Spirit. And it's important to know the direction in which our family is headed. I want you to know which way our family is going. Secondly, uh, I, I believe that all of us have a major part in playing in advancing God's kingdom. Every one of you has a part to play and has been gifted to help us move forward in advancing God's kingdom. I'll remind you of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul said this, For the body is not one member, it's not just Andrew, but many. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, or the head to the feet, I have no need of you. There might be many members, but there's one body. So practically speaking, like I said, I can't say to Esther, I have no need of you because you're not the pastor. Nor should she say to me, well, I have no need of you either because you're the pastor. We're all one body, even though we're made up of individual members. So it's important that we're all on the same page going forward. And the reason is, is that the spiritual condition of our country and the spiritual condition of our community is not great. And the spiritual condition of the church, the actual church in Canada, is not great either. Now, I am not saying that there aren't great churches who are spiritually alive and doing advancing God's kingdom, but the general state, the general state as a whole, is not fantastic. Don't take it from me, take it from our bishop. Hello, my Free Methodist Church family. Important announcement I have to make today. We're going to restructure. We can't keep doing things the way we've been doing them. Uh, frankly, the, uh, the number of people that are coming to our churches on a Sunday morning, the, uh, the membership in our denomination, the number of people that we introduce to Jesus annually, all of these numbers are decreasing. The trajectory, therefore, is, is not a good trajectory for our movement in Canada. The number of churches that will close in the next five years if everything stays the same, very alarming, actually. It's the stuff that keeps me awake at night in my bed. I, I think about this church of good people but they just don't have the core group or the energy anymore to, to continue. Very, very sad. And it doesn't, it doesn't have to be this way. My friends, as we enter into this next season, it is my goal that we would, um, we would be gospel people, that we would see the good thing turn around, that Acts chapter 2 would be a part of how our churches are described us re-engaging with one another in brand new ways. 
So I'm looking forward to your prayer. And if, if you could dedicate a week at the beginning of January 2023 for prayer for our movement, fasting and prayer, uh, we would love that if you could invite your churches into that. So the first week in January, we're inviting our churches to pray for our movement in Canada because together we really are that much stronger. So when the bishop had the uh, courage to say that, he was talking about the Free Methodist Church in Canada. But from everything I understand and know about, in terms of my own learning, this is the state of every denomination that I'm aware of in Canada. So again, back to Paul's comment about the body. This is the entire body, not just one denomination. And I want to show you a, uh, a spreadsheet or a chart that was given to me by the bishop. Can you hit it again? So you'll notice on the left-hand side, percentages. Percentages. In uh, 1946, look at the bottom, January 1946, 67% uh, of people attended church on a Sunday in Canada in 1946. So to give you an idea, there's about 37 million people in Canada. 37 million. That would mean 25 million people in 1946 would be in church on a Sunday. 25 out of 37 million would be in church on a Sunday. Fast forward 70 years to 2000, January 2016, or actually no, at 20, on January 2020, 11% of Canada is in the church. So let's just use 10%. 10% on 37 million is 3.7. We've gone from 25 million to 3.7 million on a Sunday morning. This comes from the, if you look at the bottom, I have these little dots that represent the, the, the polls or the, the studies. The Gallup poll did this research, an election study did this research. The Angus Reid did this research, along with other ones. This is across the board. Anyone who studied the history of the, and the situation in Church in Canada has come up with the identical numbers. 11% attends church on a Sunday. 3.7 million, it used to be 25 million proportionately. I don't know if that alarms you, if that wakes you up to the reality. So let's just go 10% of Okotoks. 32,000 people, that means maximum 3,000 people are in church on a Sunday, maximum. Maximum, and it's even less in our community. When you do all the numbers, I've done the numbers, it's way less than that. So we're actually probably 5%. Maybe even 2 3%. So, uh, what are we gonna do about that? Well, we already started, like I said, in September of 2021, restructured how we do church. But let me just show you the structure from, um, you have the sheet now, and you can pull it out. <laughs> we're going to continue doing with what we've already been doing. But we're also going to be adding a couple things. And this comes out of prayer and reflection and confirmation, actually, from last week's testimony time listening to your voices last Sunday with what you were sharing and what you were struggling with. So I've titled this, The IFC and the EFC. What are we gonna do in the church, the internally focused church, which is right now happening on Sunday morning, and what are we gonna do about the EFC, the externally focused church happening outside of these walls? 
Again, I was tempted to call it in-house and out-house, but the out-house was just not going to work for me. Okay? So what are we going to do internally and externally? Well, internally, we are going to be continuing to do what we've always done. We're going to preach the Word. We're going to focus on prayer, like we have been. And we're going to be focusing, through the prayers, on healing. The healing of your physical bodies, the healing of your emotional body, your spiritual life, everything. Everything encompasses your being. Praying that God would set you free from whatever's keeping you down and binding you. I never forget this passage in Matthew 21. It's one of my favorite passages now in the scriptures. Jesus enters the temple and drives out all those who are buying and selling in the temple, overturns their tables. And he said to them, It is written, My house shall become a house of prayer, but you are making it a robber's den. So there's a bunch of religious acts going on, religiosity in the, in the temple. People claiming to love the Lord and, and be following Him, but really in their lives it was absolutely chaotic. And there was no commitment to Him on the outside. Life of hypocrisy. After He clears out the temple of all its religion, the next verse says, And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. <laughs> Push out the religion, you bring in the healing. What, God's, what a house of prayer is intended to be. And as you know, those of you who have been here last year have witnessed this occur. So we're going to continue with this. At the same time, though, we're going to move to be an externally focused church in two avenues. The first one on uh, the left is what's sort of happening primarily within the Christian community. So right now we have couples Bible studies, we have women's Bible studies, men's Bible studies, just once a month. There's a prayer meeting that occurs Thursday mornings around 11 on Thursdays. But really beyond that, the only thing that happens is that which others get invited to. So for example, if uh, you know, like if uh, Rudy uh, wants to have a couple over for dinner, he'll invite a couple over for dinner and they'll have it. And that's fantastic and that counts as external fellowship. The issue is, is that a lot of people may not get that same invite and as a result a lot of people are probably lonely within Genesis House. That was some of the comments from last week's uh, uh, testimony time and I'm sure many of you could identify with the loneliness. We want to now move forward to break that. And so you'll see I've got a couple of blanks on the bottom. I'm looking for you to submit to me through a text message or, or whatever ideas to, to break the loneliness in the community and provide other opportunities for fellowship. So that we have, const we have constant opportunities to be together and with one another. So I'll just, I'll just give you an idea. Um, uh, you know, a, a meet and movie night, okay? We're gonna have a meet and movie night, what's that mean? Just bring your favorite meat, we're gonna barbecue it and watch a movie. And just whatever happens in conversation happens. We're gonna have a wing Wednesday night. We're inviting people from the church down to the, the George or whatever, we're gonna have wings on Wednesday, and whoever wants to come can come. That might be too intimidating for some of you who like more sort of intimate groups. Might have something like dinners for six or something where one family hosts and invites two couples over. Maybe we draw names from the church, and so when, and once a month or whatever, or once every three months, doesn't matter, people can have an opportunity to go visit with another couple. I got a mean ping pong table in the house now. Maybe we have a ping pong night, and those who want to have a blast can come over and, and um, 
Yeah, they can see who can be the Forrest Gump of uh, the Genesis house. <laughs> but you get the idea. You get the idea. We're looking for ideas. And I know tons of you are creative. And those of you who are maybe in the lonely category or wishing for more, this is your chance. What is it that your heart yearns for in Genesis House that's maybe not happening? Give me those suggestions, and as leadership, I promise we'll put those into play. And I'm looking to maybe have at least like a couple, at least a couple things a month on top of what's already happening. But just think about it. If there's two other opportunities or three other opportunities a month, and you made all those, that means you'd be connected to the church 24 more times in the year, or 36 more times than you already are. And so, again, the focus will not be necessarily opening the Bible to read something. In fact, it won't be. It's fellowship. And then to share your heart and have some laughs. And if, if we want to, we'll, we'll talk about Scripture, great. But it's not the, the, the ultimate like, um, card that we have to play there. We have the Bible studies in our Sunday mornings for those things. And so, again, that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking for you to reach out to me. Otherwise, all that's going to get implemented are my ideas, and some of you will be like, well, I don't really want to do that. It's like, darn. <laughs> so you have a voice in this church, so speak up. Speak up. On the other side is the externally focused church and outreach. You can do that in two ways, both in your private life and corporately as a group. So private life, seek to build relationships with the people around you that are in your neighborhood that you play uh, hockey with, that you they shoot pool with, that maybe you sit beside every basketball practice as your kids are playing a game and you see the same parents all the time. Like seek to build relationships with non-Christians in the community. Exchange phone numbers, have them out over for dinner, like invest in them, care about them, take risks with them, build relationships, care about them, love them. That's a, on a private way you can do this and make a big impact. Secondly, we can do things corporately as a church, as a community. Right now, we are, have prayer on the streets corporately, where we go out twice a month. Um, but I'm actually looking to maybe institute a couple more things. I have something called Miracle Question, which I'll share with you in the next, uh, in the next um, little while, which came from John in Ireland as an idea. And a couple, I'm wondering about reaching out to the Filipino community. There's been a couple things in my life that's happened lately where I think the Lord like, wants me to pursue them. Pursue them. And so I'm looking for an open door. I'm not acting yet because I want to pray through it more, but I'm, but I'm wondering if that's a, a community within our community that we can reach. And so again, these are just my ideas that have sort of uh, come up. But please, if you have ideas for the community, Ideas that we corporately, like, you know, maybe three or four or five or six or ten of us can go out and do something, please let me know and we can pray through these things before we act. Here's the thing, church the gospel is meant to be public. I'll say that again. The gospel is meant to be public. So you might separate, and the culture might separate church from state, but the that never in the scriptures is gospel to be separated from state. The church might be separated from state, but the gospel is not. I just finished a course at Regent College, 
And, and uh, my teacher, Daryl Johnson, said this, the reason why he believes that the Christian church is in decline in our nation is because this has been lost. This has been lost. We've made Christianity private. So what I believe, what I think, and so just stay out of my way. Don't come into my home. I'm not going to talk about anything in the schools, in the universities, in the hospitals. We've lost the voice in the public realm. This is a pastor and a professor who's 75 years old, who's been ministry for over 50 years. He would know when he says that. Think about Jesus and the apostles' ministry. Yes, it was a habit to go into the temple. Yes, it was a habit to walk into the synagogues. In other words, there was a habit in Jesus and the apostles' life to have an eternally focused church. However, the majority of ministry that they did was outside the walls, in a public realm. In the public realm. I just for fun yesterday, just went to the Gospel of Mark. I'm only going to read a couple excerpts from here. Now in Mark chapter 1, like I said, Jesus did go into synagogues. But listen to this. I'm going to read from, from 114. Now after John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of God, saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. So here's the key, he comes into Galilee, he comes into Okotoks, preaching the gospel of God. So you'd expect, oh, I know where he's preaching, he's in the synagogues. Well, let's keep moving along. Verse 16, as he was going along by the sea of Galilee, Verse 32, when evening came, after the sun had set, it began bringing to him all who were ill and those who were demon-possessed, and the whole city had gathered at the door of a house. Uh, chapter 2 and verse 1, when he had come back to Capernaum several days afterwards, it was heard that he was at home, and many were gathered together, so there was no longer room even at the door, and he was speaking the word to them. Verse 13, he went out again by the seashore, and all the people were coming to them, him, and he was teaching them. And one more, in chapter 3 and verse 7. Jesus withdrew to the sea with his disciples, and a great multitude from Galilee followed, and also from Judea, from Jerusalem, from Idumea, and beyond the Jordan, and the vicinity of Tyre, and a great number of people heard of all that he was doing and came to him. I think from the scriptures, the point has been proven. Think of Peter, think of Paul. Where was the predominant ministry done? On the streets, on the skybooks, in the market squares, in countrysides, by rivers. Stephen and Philip, not apostles, lay guys. Ministry, public. I want to show a verse to you that I never ever saw before until this week. Again, I give credit to my teacher, Daryl Johnson. Listen to the public nature of this. Like this, I don't even know how to wrap my head around this verse. So I'm going to read it to you, but I still have a big like question mark on my forehead in terms of like how does this actually apply in life, and how crazy is this? 
Because we think public is only for the physical realm, right? The public ministry is for people. The public ministry is for the, the, the demonic world as well. Listen to this in chapter 3, verse 8 of Ephesians. This is Paul speaking. To me, the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles and the unfathomable riches of Christ, and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery for which ages has been hidden in God, who created all things, so that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. The, gospel, the church's job is to make the gospel known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Here's how my teacher applied it. He said, that's why if I get asked as a guest speaker to speak in a church, if nobody shows up, I still preach the gospel. So zero comes to attendance. Daryl stands up and says, this is a reading from Ephesians chapter 3, and he goes through it. It gives a whole new meaning to Ephesians 6, doesn't it, when he says our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual powers and the darkness of the evil. Again, I don't exactly know how to work through that verse, but that is something else to think about in terms of the public nature of the gospel. Nearly everything we do inside the church should prepare and equip us not only for personal growth, but for personal impact. Everything we do in here should not only prepare us for personal growth, but for personal impact. We need to be determined to make a difference in society. And I'm going to leave you with one more incredible um, scripture from the Old Testament. You, and this is from Jeremiah 29. Oh, actually, I'll, I'll just leave that alone. <laughs> Jeremiah 29. We all know the verse, the famous verse from verse 11. For I know all the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. That is everybody's bumper sticker, who's a Christian, everyone's fridge magnet, everyone's book, everyone's verse on their wall. People love that. What people forget is the context in which that was written. It was written to Jewish people who had rebelled against God. They disobeyed and they were in exile in Babylon because of their disobedience. So God's speaking to them, to a bunch of disobedient suckers who were taken into Babylonian captivity, which is modern-day Iraq, for rebelling against God. And if you read this account, it was horrific what happened. Like, horrific to the Jewish people. But then God makes that declaration about their future. But we need to start in verse 1 before the prosper comments are made. Look at what the Lord says. Jeremiah wrote a letter from Jerusalem to the elders, priests and prophets, and all the people who had been exiled to Babylon by King Nebuchadnezzar. This is what the Lord of Heaven's armies, the God of Israel, says to the, all the captives he has exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat their food they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so that you may have many grandchildren. Multiply, do not dwindle away, and work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. 
They're in Babylon, modern-day Iraq, and he says to the people two things. You work for its peace, and you work and pray for it. You try, you make every effort as my people in the midst of a wicked land to work for the peace of the security of the, of the city and to pray for its people. That is what we are seeking to do in 2023 beyond what's already started. I think the Lord's happy with where we've gone so far, but there's a lot more that needs to be done. And it's going to be starting literally this month. And we'll move forward and just at the end of the year, I look forward to the reports that we'll have at our testimony time. But again, you have a huge voice in this. Now that you know the vision, talk to me, text me. What do you see? How can you see our community impacting the town of Okotoks on a corporate level, on a private level in evangelism? What can we do internally to help the people who are already here feel more connected, more loved, and less lonely? And build, build one another up. I, I believe if we do this, we'll truly capture the heart of the gospel in the heart of Jesus. So everything going forward in my preaching for the next three months, everything from preaching in the next three months is preparing you to embrace this vision and how you individually as a person can make a difference. Amen.